And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for the good song service. Before we go any further... Once again, we want to go back to the Lord in prayer. Ask His blessings upon the speaker, Brother Step. We're praying tonight that God will anoint His mind and lips with a covering of the Holy Spirit to such a degree that He cannot help but preach what thus saith the Lord. Maybe that our ears would be so attentive and our hearts would be so touched that without a doubt we can truly say it's been good to be in God's house. May the Lord bless our evening. May the Lord bless the speaker. May God truly be with each and every one of us at this hour. That our hearts and our minds may be filled with that presence. Brother Jim Stevens, would you take us forth throne of grace, please? step you come preach what the Lord's laid on your heart. <laughs> do appreciate the opportunity to come preach for Emmanuel Baptist Church. I get to preach at other churches periodically with the blessing that we have of other churches that are close around here. I must say that Y'all make me feel welcome every time I come. 
Brother Jim wasn't here on Thursday night. And I mentioned to a couple of people, it's just not the same when he's not here. Partly because he makes me feel so special. Every time I come, he makes it a point to make me feel welcome. And I just wanted some way to say that back. And then I was talking to Brother Clarence, and I was talking to Brother Joe. And, you know, Jim makes all of them feel special, too. And it wasn't just me. It's God's people everywhere. And it's not just Brother Jim, either. It's each and every one of you all that make me feel special when I come. And uh, I appreciate that, that you want to hear the truth of God's Word, and you come to worship the God that, I, that I've loved for so long. I, I tell you what, those, those little kids getting up here, you can't teach that kind of Kentucky twang. <laughs> that comes from their parents, and so I know where you guys are. And uh, it's a blessing. It really is a blessing to hear. Because that doesn't leave them when they get older. You know, I'll be honest with you. About 20, 25 years ago, this is what Big Creek Baptist Church looked like. And uh, there's not too many of those young ones left. And so I charge you all, you all that came up here and sang in the youth choir, I, I, I lay a charge at you this evening to make sure that you realize how blessed God has been to you and don't forsake it when you get older Amen. grab hold of those memories grab those words mean something when you're singing those songs and I appreciate y'all getting up and singing and praising God because that's the most important thing to do the gospel of Matthew chapter 16 I know I have a very difficult task uh, preaching on the, the last night, your pastor told me he was scraping the bottom of the barrel. Not in so many words, but uh, y'all have had a good week and a lot of good preaching. And I'm thankful for that. I got to hear Brother Joe on Thursday night. And uh, you know, Brother Joe quits when his 30 minutes is up. I, I don't know where he gets that. You know, I, I usually preach until my sermon's over. So that, that's just the way that goes. But I uh, really was blessed by his message on Thursday, and, and your pastor said that he continued the thoughts on Friday, and I know you've been blessed. It's not, I told Brother Joe afterwards, those aren't the easiest sermons to preach when you're preaching on hell, but they're necessary sermons. And we need to realize if we're in our lost and unsaved state, of course we need to know but judgment's coming. But even us that are saved, we need to be reminded of what we've been saved from. And realize that there's a whole lost and dying world out there. And revival's not going to happen unless it happens in us. And that's what Brother Joe was aiming for, was your hearts. And that's where I'm aiming for your hearts this evening. Pray that God will bless. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 13 it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? You know, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, if he's speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic. 
the word Christ is the word Greek for Messiah, the one that we've been expecting to come, the one that was promised to Adam and Eve, the one that was promised by every sacrifice of Abraham and Noah and Moses and all those down through history. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do y'all believe that? Do y'all believe that what, what Peter says to you, that's actually pretty far-fetched in, in the world. That just Jesus Christ is standing before them, that He's the Son of God. And there's a lot of people that aren't going to believe it. There's a lot of people that's going to reject what you've just said that you believe. As you get out in the world, you're going to run into a lot of people that they don't believe in God. Some of them might say they do, but they don't act like they do, do they? They don't ever go to church. I put in garage doors for a living, and usually I like to talk about Jesus when I get there and talk to. And I used to ask people where they went to church. I thought that was kind of an easy way. No, I used to ask them if they were saved. I thought that, you know, it would be a good way to get started. You know how many people I found out in West Virginia that are lost? Maybe one, maybe two. They're all saved. And I finally figured out that's not the right question to ask. I asked them, where do you go to church at? You know, when I'm putting those doors in, those awesome, you know, where do you go to church at? Most of them will say, well, I go down the road to that church right there. Well, actually, that's where Dad and Mom went to church. Actually, I haven't been to church for a long time. I'm saved. I know Jesus Christ, but I don't go to church. You know what? I half don't believe them, that they know Jesus Christ. Because, you know, Jesus Christ said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I going to be. If you know Jesus Christ is going to be there, aren't you going to be there? Peter said, thou art the Christ. I believe it. Thou art the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood... And when he uses this phrase flesh and blood, he's talking about human instrumentality. Your brain and, and your upbringing hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And if Peter truly believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it's for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Amen. Not of works, lest any man should boast. My Father revealed it to you. And you know that's how you're saved, isn't it? When God opens up your heart and reveals Jesus Christ. The Lord says in verse 18, I say also unto thee. He's not going to stop there. He's going to talk about his church too. He says that thou art Peter, or a small pebble, the word Petros. And upon this rock, speaking about himself, Petra, this rock of Gibraltar, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's never going to die. And I will give unto thee, speaking of the church, speaking of Peter as representative of that church also, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's a lot of authority for one little church. But that's what the Emmanuel Baptist Church has. The keys to the kingdom of heaven are found right here. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, as the gospel goes out, there's hope yes. for people in this world that they might learn about a Savior named Jesus Christ. That they might get to that same point of confession that they might say, that you might say, I've already asked you and y'all have nodded your heads, most of y'all anyway, that I believe what Peter believes, that thou art the Christ. 
Son of the living God. Verse 20 says, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. It wasn't his hour yet. And it says, in verse 21 is what I want to kind of preach on this evening. It says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Hold on a second. Is that still in Matthew chapter 16? That seems like that verse ought to be written in Matthew chapter 28. That's pretty explicit, isn't it? He's telling them everything. He's telling them he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's telling them he's going to suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. It's going to be a mock trial. And he's going to be spit upon. He's going to be mocked. And then it says, and be killed. And be raised again the third day. That's pretty much the whole story. Right there in one verse. And you know what? They didn't believe it. The same Peter that said, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. In verse 22, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Now, if Peter would stop and thought about it, he would never have used the word rebuke. And, you know, I know, I know it's the gospel writer Matthew that uses that. And I wouldn't rebuke God, but he is, isn't he? That's why Matthew writes it that way. And began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee, all these things about been suffering and oh, the elders and chief priests and scribes being killed. I don't even know if he paid attention to be raised again the third day or not. It shall not be unto thee. You know what he's saying? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm not going to let this happen to you, Lord. I love you too much. You know, if you want to paint it in a good way for Peter. Lord, I'm not going to let this happen to you. If this has to happen, let it happen to me. That's the kind of guy Peter was, wasn't he? Verse 23. How would you feel if verse 23 was written to you? And if I substituted your name instead of Peter here. And he turned and said unto Matt Step, Get thee behind me, Satan. Woo! Lord, did you just call me Satan? He did, didn't he? Mm -hmm. You know, when we get mixed up with the world, you know what they're going to call you? They'll call you their friend. You know what we're going to have to call you? We're going to have to call you worldly. If you get mixed up with the world, that's being worldly. You get mixed up with Satan. I know it's not demonic possession or anything like that. But you know he's saying what Satan would say. He's saying a, a lie. Satan's the father of lies, isn't he? You're teaming yourself up on the wrong side, Peter. You need to just believe what I said. Yeah. Knowledge is what we need, but we also need wisdom. You know, and that's what Peter had was knowledge. He'd been preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew that Christ, Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, had all the doctrines down good, but as soon as the going looks like it's going to get rough, no, not going to do that. You know, in this day and age, we talk about persecutions coming, and, and, and you know, I, we started putting our services on Facebook 
during COVID and all that so that we could stream it out to people staying home or whatever. And then, you know, almost immediately people said, well, you got to be careful what you say on Facebook because the government might hear you and they might come after you. Oh, don't want that, you know. And then almost automatically that's what we do, you know. Oh, we don't want to raise any, you know, suspicions that, that people might think we're what? That we're what? Christians? And we're almost afraid to be persecuted, aren't we? And that's wrong. Brother, I gotta tell you, that's wrong. That's what that's the route Peter was going. Now, I'm not saying we ought to go out there and we ought to start punching people in the face and say, I'm a Christian, what are you, and all that stuff like that, and, and, and try to draw attention to ourselves. But I'm saying that people ought to know what we believe by the way we live and by the way we act. Talk. And not just a southern accent, a Kentucky twirl, whatever that's called. You got that. I know in West Virginia, the further you get down in Wayne County, you can tell they're out Wayne, you know. People ought to be able to tell you that you're out there with Christians. That you're God's people. Why? Because I believe what the Bible says about abortion. You know, they've got this gay marriage stuff all figured up real fine. You know, well, what's wrong with two, two men that love each other, two women that love each other and all that? You know, and if they, you know, if they just stay over there, even in the first stage, if they just stay in the closet, you know, they just let them be or whatever. You know what's going to happen if the country that just lets them be? God's going to judge that country. And you know who's in this country? My family's in this country. Hey, these are important matters. We need to stand up and stand for the truth of God's word because it's going to have a lot of consequences if we don't. I don't want my country to be judged. What are you going to do about it? We're going to have to start changing things, aren't we? We're going to have to start being, you know... My dad always told me that the, oil, the, the, the noisiest wheel gets oiled first. You know? And that's what the gays have been. The lesbians have been the noisiest wheel, and they're getting oiled. People's paying attention to them. We need to start being the noisiest wheel. You know, we don't have to do it obnoxiously like they do. All we got to do is take a stand and say, no, I'm going to put up with that. You know, they switched the ball games to Wednesday night. I ain't, my, my kid ain't coming still yet. You know, whatever it might be, I don't know what it is that is taking away you, taking your family away from church, taking your family away from things that you ought to be involved in, taking your attention away from things that are ready, you need to be strong for, because God has put them in His Word. And do you believe it or not? Right. Amen. I don't know who I heard first say this. It might have been my first pastor, Brother... Ralph Hawkins said the great difficulty is not in understanding the Bible. It's in believing the Bible. I think Mark Twain said something to that effect. It ain't the things that uh, I don't understand in the Bible that bothers me. It's the things I do understand that bothers me. I don't know if Mark Twain was an atheist or not. He claimed he wasn't, but he didn't think much of modern religion. That's for sure. Has it clicked for you that what God says is true? Does it resonate with you? You know, I understand when we're saved, a lot of this stuff that we find out about God, we go, wow, I never knew that. 
Wow, that's awesome. I would have never thought of that. You know, God does that. His grace is amazing. Grace. As it's just been sung. It's incredible grace that God gives us. That He would save us. That He would send His Son to die for us. You know, I could understand if He'd give His servant one of His angels to die for, but to give His very Son, wow! That's grace. It takes us a while sometimes to understand that Luke chapter 22, thinking about Peter here for just a second. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 60. Again, we won't take the time to read the context. You all know that Peter says, I would die before I would forsake you, Lord. And so said all the disciples, if you back up. But I want you to see what happens here in verse chapter 22 and verse number 60 when Peter denies the Lord for the third time. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. I'm not a Galilean. I'm not with Christ. I'm not with him. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned. This is the saddest verse in the Bible. It is for me. I mean, I know there's a lot. Sometimes I'll get to another verse and I'll tell you that's the saddest verse too because you, you need to understand this is a real person Peter is. And he truly did betray the Lord three times. He said, I don't know who he is. And started cursing even. And the Lord had told him before the cock crow, you're going to deny me thrice. You know what Peter did? No way! I preached a message one time. What should Peter's response have been? It should have been something to the effect of, Lord, help me. I don't want to do that. Lord, if there's any way me, Lord, if you can, if you can take this away from me, Lord, I don't know what the Lord's response might have been. It might have been, okay, I'll take it away. But it was, and instead it was pride. He answered the way Matt Stepp would have. You know, because I'm a sovereign grace landmark missionary Baptist, put all the adjectives on there, and I what Peter did, but yet I would have, wouldn't have, if I stand in my own strength. You've got to believe what the Lord says. The Lord says before the cock crow, you're going to deny me thrice. That, there ain't no way to get around that. That's the truth. Right. You know what you're going to need? You're going to need a heaping amount of grace. Grace will go against the grain a lot of times. The Lord says with man, he's talking about, I know he's talking about the rich man and getting into heaven and all that. He's talking about marriage. He's talking about some difficult. He said with man, this is impossible. You know what he says also, though? But with God, all things are possible. And Peter, you, you, me, and Peter, we need to grab hold of that impossibility. That God, God can strengthen us. That God can make us different. The charge I gave you all, young folk, that we're not going to be the generation that departs from the Lord. Yes, I might. But I won't, by the grace of God. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta throw that in there. You gotta, you gotta depend on His grace because, beloved, you're not gonna be strong enough by yourself. I know I've been there. You're not gonna be strong enough with just your parents. You're not gonna be strong enough even if your pastor and his wife were there with you every hour. You're gonna need God. We need God. We need His grace. 
We need his strength. The Lord looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. But you know what? It's too late. But it's not. But it's too late. You can't fix this. But you can take this and learn from it, can't you? We can learn our weaknesses and learn how to depend upon the Lord and learn how to what? Get back to our original premise of our message here to believe what the Lord says when he says it. The Lord says you're going to be persecuted. If you live godly lives, you're going to be persecuted. Believe it. I'll tell you what, right now, the reason I'm not persecuted very much is because I'm not living as godly as I need to be. I'm not sticking out like a sore thumb like I ought to as much. I'm trying to do better. You know, as we get older, we need to understand we, we, we do have another chance. Peter's going to have another chance in John chapter 20. Don't you just love that chapter? That the Lord came to Peter and asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Now, Peter was getting frustrated there in the flesh, but you understand that's God's grace. God was giving him three chances to make up for these three chances, and Peter came through with flying colors. Lord, thou knowest all things, he said last. Thou knowest. said feed my sheep I know I know where your heart is but you got to get your mind out of this world you got to get your works out of this world and you got to get get your head back in the church you got to get your head back in the spiritual things put aside the things of this world mortify the things of the flesh apostle Paul tells the Colossian church make it like fertilizer and see how you grow We would be wise to believe God's word when it speaks to you. When it speaks to you. When does the word of God speak to you? Yeah, I'll be honest, every time you open it. But when do we open it? Mm. You know, it's easy to have a, a, a one-way conversation with God when we're, if you don't have the Bible open. Maybe driving down the road. We've got a good excuse. I'm driving. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't pray. You can pray while you're driving down the road. And you can have this one side, God, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, I need you to do this. i got loved ones that need to be saved, Lord. I've got church members that are sick. I've got death in the family. Brother John asked me to mention Brother Paul Jackson. He's a dear friend of Dad's. That means he's old. I can say that because he's in glory now. I love listening to Brother Paul Jackson preach. One of my favorite preachers. I think I like him even better than your pastor. He, he's home with the Lord now, though. He pastored, uh, I think he's originally from Kentucky. But he doesn't sound like it because he's been in Georgia for so long. He's been pastoring a church down in Lyons, Georgia there. I think I think last time that we was talking about it, it was 40 years he was down there. And... Uh, Pray for his family. Pray for his church. They're going to have to find another pastor now. And things are difficult in this world, aren't they? We need, we need God. We need we, it would be wise to believe the word of God. In Matthew chapter 27. That's one of those sacred chapters. Matthew chapter 27, Mark chapter 15, Luke chapter 23, John chapter 19. That's Calvary. 
I know you know a lot about God's Word. You've been sitting here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. You've got a good preacher. You've got good teachers. And at least five of the six nights you've had good preachers coming in and preaching for you too. Preaching God's Word. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. God's got something for you every evening. Something precious for you to use. If you're taking notes... You go back and look at that later. Wow. Glad the Lord showed that to me. You're taking notes in your head, make marks in your Bible, whatever. You, you go back to that chapter. It's precious stuff that's going on here. This is the most important time of your lives. It's more important than your freshman year in high school. It's more important than that kindergarten grade. It's more important than, you know, getting out in the field on the first day of hunting season or whatever it might be. This is real. This has lasting effects. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 11. Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. You know, he could have said that to anybody. You know, actually in the Greek there he's saying, What you're saying is true. The Lord is saying this. But you, you see what the question that Pilate asked him? Art thou the king of the Jews? Do you know that his reputation preceded him that he was the king of the Jews? You know, if you go back there in Zechariah chapter 9, it says there's a prophecy that the Lord's going to come in on a fold of a colt. He's going to come in and they're going to sing Hosanna to the son of David. As you go back there in Matthew chapter 21, you can see the fruition of that. And Jerusalem was ringing with this sound about Jesus Christ being the king of the Jews, being the son of God. So much so that when Pilate comes up, are thou the king of the Jews? Now, I don't know at first whether Pilate was mocking him. Hey, they say you're a king. <laughs> you know, where's your crown? Where, where's your crown? Where's your throne? Where's your vestment? You know, and the soldiers, they went through all that, didn't they? As you get down further in the chapter, down to verse 29, in this same chapter 27, it says, when they planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Verse 37. They set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. May I ask you a question? How many people believe that? It's not like everybody hadn't heard it, right? I mean, there's three different verses here. It's written right. Pilate has heard of it. The soldiers found out about it and they started mocking him and presented him with this crown of thorns. But nobody believed it. Sounds a lot like our world, doesn't it? How many people do you know have heard the name of Jesus and know that he's coming back, knowing that people, Christians, Baptists, certainly we claim that he's king of kings and lord of lords, but how many people believe it? It would be wise to believe it. You know, in this world, they mock you for believing that. But I tell you what, you read through here and you find out there's going to be a moment when that cock's going to crow. And Peter's going to remember what the Lord said, and it's going to be too late. 
There's going to come a moment when the King of Kings is coming down in Matthew chapter 24 says that all of the nations are going to wail because it's really going to happen. And we need to quit living our lives as if it might happen sometime way down in the future. It's going to happen quickly. Now, when he comes back in the rapture, which could happen at any moment, and, and yeah, that, that's okay. Go ahead and look up. It could be. The Bible says look up. I ain't got no problem with that. The Lord could come back right now for his bride and for his saints. And I know it's going to be another seven years before that fulfillment there in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25, at the judgment of the nations, when all the nations are going to wail, because they're going to miss the first one. They're going to miss the first one. Please don't you miss the first one. Believe the word of God. Trust the Bible. It's never been wrong. Every time they do an archaeological, do you, do you understand this? That you know they mock and say there's no mention of King David anywhere in all of the uh, of Israel and all that. You know, back in 1948 or whenever they found his palace, they found his name all over the place. Every time they do an archaeological dig, they confirm that the word of God has never been wrong. They've never proved anything about the Bible wrong. When are you going to get it into your thick heads, intelligentsia? That God's always right. Give in now. Before it's too late. Before it's too late, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved is what they told the Philippian jailer, wasn't it? What does that word saved mean to you? It means rescued. That means poured out of that deep snow drift. I saved you. That means being poured out of the miry clay and set your feet upon the rock. The Lord saved me. His reputation preceded that he was king. Would you have believed when you were there? I know, again, we got to start thinking about total depravity. If you want to do that all day, you want to go through all that. But the simple answer is you need to. You need to realize with the head that this is important. You need to put yourself under gospel preaching. And I'm glad you're here tonight. And know that Jesus Christ died for sinners. Did he die for me? Could he have died? I think he did, didn't he? When you get to that point of being convicted of your sins and knowing that you've done wrong and knowing that you've never done right, Lord, save me! Yeah, you're one of His elect. Holy Spirit does that. What's this next one? Verse 17. Still here in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 17. It was common knowledge that He was the Christ. As I said, Messiah. Verse 17 says, Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? Common knowledge. Hello? You know who the Christ is. Why, this is basically the end of the world. For the Jews, you know, his first coming, that's what everything's been focused towards. That Christ is going to come. You know, they had some misunderstandings even when he was ready to ascend. The disciples said, Will thou now at this time set up thy kingdom? That's what we're looking for. This is the end of the world. The Messiah is here. John chapter 4, when that Samaritan woman 
was talking to the Lord, she says, I know when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. And you know, I can argue as a Samaritan and you as a Jew all you want. When Messiah comes, it's all going to be straightened out. Right. You love that next, that next word? Jesus Christ says, I that speak unto thee, I'm him. I'm he. Woo! This is big stuff. This is the end of the world stuff I'm talking about. Do you believe? She went and told everybody. Told me all things that ever I did. It's not that. And you know, people believed it because she was so, so, she's so shouting this. She, she just believed it. The Holy Spirit blessed her witness. And the Holy Spirit will bless your witness too. If you're that enthusiastic, I don't have to put an if there. You know, sometimes the Lord uses us in spite of ourselves. But you know, that's what He wants. That's what revival services are for. So that when we get done, we'll be as loud as Joe Collins is. And be as excited as Matt Stepp is. Hey, this is the Christ. Hey, God knows everything. He's never been wrong. Come with me to Emmanuel Baptist Church. Let's go worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, that's what he said above his cross. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of the world. Do you believe it? Or are you going to go out there in the world saying, well, we got, we, we got a lot of kids at Emmanuel. You'd like to come with us. We'll have a good time. We got a, well, we got a pretty decent preacher anyway. You know, you got, you got to come and listen to him. Is that how we come? Or we, we go out excited? Man, you guys got to come. There's no help in this world. I found Jesus. He's here. I found the Holy Spirit. He's here. I found the Heavenly Father. He's here. Come see your man that told me all things that ever I did. Verse 22. Well, that's, that's more verse 17. What should I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And nobody had to say, look around, who are you talking about? Where's the Christ at? Everybody knew it was Jesus. All eyes, all eyes went to Barabbas. I don't believe it's the Christ. And they said, release Barabbas. Verse 19. It was common knowledge that he was a just and a holy man. You know, it says there in, in verse 19, when he was sat down at the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Don't you have nothing to do with that just man? He ain't done nothing wrong and you know. Down in, back, back up in chapter 26, in verses 59 and 60. It says, Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. Why? He's a just man. After you go through all this mock trial, through all this stuff, Pilate's wife was right. He was a just man. His holy man. Even Noah was building the ark. Yeah, I think about that sometimes. As he's building the ark and being obedient to God. You know, I wrote a book about it one time, so sort of a fictional, historical fiction book. And the people was, yeah, Noah's a good man, but I can't go along with it. He's building an ark. Why is he building an ark? Well, you know, he said God told him to. 
He said, God said it's going to rain. And I don't know what rain is, but I don't believe Noah. But he's a good man. He's a godly man. And that's what they said about Jesus. He's just, he's holy. Pilate's final sentence back in chapter 17, 27, verses 23 and 24. And the governor cried, said, why? why? And they said, let him be crucified in verse 22. And the governor said, why? What evil hath he done? If he's done one thing wrong, let me know what it is. I'll go along with you. If you can just find one thing wrong with him. How extraordinary is that? You know, if they put Matt Stepp on trial, they wouldn't have no problem finding one evil thing. They put John Smith on trial, they'd find two things, probably. Jesus, they couldn't find. How extraordinary is that? Why? What evil hath he done? When Pilate saw that he could prevail on nothing, but, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. And I don't know how great a judge Pilate is, and a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. I hope and pray that the Lord saved him before he died. I don't know if he did or not. He was a pretty bad judge, wasn't he? But yet even he knew that this man was extraordinary, that this man was different. And yet he ended up saying, I don't believe and he said, y'all have at it. I won't believe the evidence right in front of my eyes. You know what they call that? Being blind. And I know in our natural state, we're all blind. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to give us new eyes to see. And that's what we pray for. At Emmanuel Baptist Church, when you have an invitation here, I don't ask you to come up here and make a decision for Christ. But I do ask you to consider where you're sitting there. What about the, what think you of Christ? What's your opinions of him? Is it like Peter? Can you really shout it out? Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the most important person in the world. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to Peter. But my heavenly Father, I pray, you know, you don't plead with the sinner. The sinner's dead. Sinner can't smell the steak dinner and come say, come and dine. But I plead with the Holy Spirit to save each and every one of you under the sound of my voice. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I pray that the Holy Spirit will cause your eyes to open and then cause your heart to open. I see, but I don't believe. I want to get to the point where I see and I believe. The work of grace. The work of God. One more. Maybe one more. Verse number 35. There's, there's a lot in this chapter. A lot of evidence of who Christ is. Verse 35. It says, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. He, Jesus Christ, fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament. In verse number 46, 
It says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God. What? Now you say, Brother Matthew, what's so significant about that? You know, most of these people that were watching were Pharisees and Sadducees and lawyers and faithful Jews and boys and girls that from the, from the age growing up, mostly boys then, I understand then, that grew up memorizing the Psalms. And you know what? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is a direct quote from Psalms 22, verse 1. Can you imagine Peter as he said, denying the Lord, and all of a sudden, that cock crowed. And there was that moment he realized. <sighs> That's the moment here for every one of those Pharisees. When he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He is the Christ. He is fulfilling prophecy. Everything that we've memorized, everything that we've read, all the stories and all the, the sacrifices and everything in the Old Testament building up to this point in time, right there he is on the cross. But you've got to hear the cock crow first, don't you? You've got to have the knowledge in your head before the wisdom comes. You've got to know how special that verse is. You've got to know how special that person is before you say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, if you never get to that point, you know all the stuff. You know everything that Brother John's been preaching and that all the teachers of this church teach. You know all of it. Don't wait for the cock crow like Peter did. It's too late then. I know. You'll, you might get another chance like Peter did. God's so good. God's so gracious. But do not presume upon the grace of God. The Lord has opened your heart this revival week. He's changed you forever on the inside. And not only do you know the truth, but you know the truth. Come claim the promises of God. Brother John.